Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered with all the props, odds, promos, and parlays for the 2023 football season. If you're betting preseason over-unders, in my unprofessional opinion, the best bet on the board is taking the Pittsburgh Steelers over eight and a half wins. If you want to place that as your first bet, you can head to Bet Online Sportsbook and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, when you click the link in the description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast, and podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of these podcast things. You can listen however and whenever you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. Today on the show, it's Thursday, August 17th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we still appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you're listening. Today on the show... I wanted to kick back and uh, take a journey to our Star Wars universe, a galaxy far, far away known as Major League Baseball, because we haven't been to the Major League Baseball Star Wars universe in a minute here on the Take It Easy podcast. Sometimes I like to nerd out about baseball the way that other people nerd out about Star Wars. One of the ways that we've done that over the years is by realizing that baseball is basically just Star Wars, and the evil holy dodger empire is taking on the san diego resistance and you have all these players in the galaxy like master cohen and the met army of queens and the empire state battles that are going on and all that fun stuff and so today i wanted to uh, talk about two teams uh that seem to be for all intents and purposes done for the season two teams that we think of as being major players in this world of star wars baseball a galaxy far far away but today i want to talk about the yankees and the angels and uh, those are two teams that seem to be out of it by the time we're recording the yankees are 60 and 60 six games out of the wild card last place in the american league east and the angels are six games below five sorry three games below 500 they are eight and a half games out of the american league wild card the angels are at this point for all intents and purposes done their 10th place 
in the American League, which, by the way, every single American League East team is better than the Angels at this stage of the game because the Yankees are in last place and they're still two and a half games ahead of the Angels as of August 17th. And both of those teams seem to be left for dead at this point. Six games, eight and a half games, below a 10% chance of making the playoffs. This is the time when we can start to eulogize a couple of teams. And in the National League, I mean, we could do the resistance from San Diego's eulogy, but, you know, we've got time. We can talk about San Diego later and the resistance not making the playoffs. Because this is, again, we're for those who have been following, we're in the Empire Strikes Back portion of our Star Wars baseball journey. Last year, the 111-win Death Star of the Dodgers was blown up by the San Diego Resistance, and then they blew up the team, and now we're in the Empire Strikes Back phase of the baseball universe. And you know what? It We've already explained what we want to talk about today. Let's just set the mood by playing our Star Wars baseball intro for Empire Strikes Back. Episode 5, The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose... Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner, while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim, who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all.
All right. We have now traveled to our galaxy far, far away. And in our promo clip, you heard us talk about Jedi Master Otani and the fact that the Dodger Empire is looking to bring in Master Otani, controller of both sides of the Force, and they would be willing to give up anything that their infinite resources possess in order to try and bring in Master Otani. And... Yeah, Shohei Otani kind of lives in the shadow of the Dodger Empire right now. He is in Los Angeles, but he's not actually in Los Angeles. He plays for the Angels. And look, we talked about this at our trade deadline episode, which was the last time we traveled to the baseball Star Wars universe two weeks ago, which was there are four teams that can win the American League this year. It is the Tampa Bay Rays, Baltimore Orioles, Texas Rangers, and Houston Astros. All of those teams are very similar, very few ways they've separated themselves at this point. I really want to see Texas play Houston in a five-game series because those two teams are doing the Spider-Man meme of each other. Watching Baltimore play Tampa Bay would be very interesting considering that Tampa Bay is supposed to be in their championship winning window. When they when we talked to our friend uh, who, who runs the Rays coverage accounts years and years ago, back during the pandemic years, which is hard to think about. That's three years ago now that we were putting those shows together. And one of the things that he talked about three years ago with the Tampa Bay Rays was 2021 was supposed to be the Rays year, not 2020. 2021 was supposed to be the year that they put everything together and went on this playoff run. It was not supposed to be during this 2020 run which they have, again, they've exceeded expectations in a number of different ways. They've fallen short of expectations in a number of ways. And Tampa Bay now finds themselves in this gluttony of teams that are trying to make it out of the national, uh, make it out of the American League in a year where none of the teams have really separated themselves in the American League. And obviously, everything that's ha- happening with Wander Franco is. Gross and abhorrent, and that's going to be something that develops, or we're just going to ignore it. Because that seems to be baseball's attitude around this thing, is just, we're going to ignore this whole circumstance and this whole situation because we don't want to be uncomfortable around Wander Franco grooming a 14-year-old, allegedly. And it seems like people are just acknowledging that it exists. We're going to put it on the back burner and we're not going to come back to it for the time being. But yeah, Tampa Bay made the World Series. Then they lost in the DS to Boston and then they lost to the Cleveland Guardians last year in the playoffs. And the Guardians almost beat the Yankees in the division series, despite the fact that the Guardians were a team that was predicted to finish in the bottom five of the of the American League last year, they won that terrible division. They went on a crazy playoff run last year, and now we've seen the regression to the mean because Cleveland is currently 11th place in the national in the American League, despite the fact that they are second place in their division at this stage of the game because uh, the American League set the pyramid scheme American League Central is now 11th 12th 13th and 14th place in the American League standings but yeah Tampa Bay is trying to get in this game and we talked about this at the trade deadline Tampa Baltimore Texas and Houston they're the best teams in the American League none is significantly better than the other which will make for very riveting playoff series if and when they end up playing each other and 
the Angels, if they were to make a playoff run, would be essentially the fifth team in that group. Because if the Angels, who traded for Lucas Giolito, traded for CJ Cron, traded for Randall Grickuk at the trade deadline, if the Angels went from being five games out of the playoffs in June to eventually making the American League playoffs while buying at the deadline, and the other joke that we made is that all of those teams made the exact same trade. All five teams who essentially viewed themselves as legitimate World Series contenders, they all made the exact same trade. They all traded for a number two starter. Texas traded for Max Scherzer. Houston traded for Justin Verlander, who will be the number two behind Framber Valdez. The Baltimore Orioles traded for Jack Flaherty, who's their number two starter. The Rays traded for Aaron Savali, who's their number two starter, and I guess technically now they're number one because Shane McClanahan is having Tommy John surgery, but they traded for Aaron Savali, who they viewed as their number two starter, and the, who am I forgetting? Oh, um, Angels traded for Lucas Giolito, who's their number two starter behind Shohei Otani. And the Angels... If they would have gotten the sixth wild card spot, they would have been just as legitimate of a World Series contender. One, because they would have played the shitty Minnesota Twins in the first round of the playoffs. But two, they would have been playing from June onward as good as Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Texas, or Houston. That's what was going to be required for the Angels to make the playoffs. And as soon as we recorded that podcast on the day of the trade deadline, the Angels lost six games in a row. They lost two games to the Giants. They got swept in four by the. They got swept in a four-game series by the Seattle Mariners. They've been about 500 ever since for the last 10 days, and the Angels are out of the playoff picture. They went from being three games back, and we're gonna try and fight to get past the Blue Jays, to now we're eight games out and have literally no chance of making the playoffs. I shouldn't say literally no chance. They have a 6% chance of making the playoffs. And so at this point, the Angels are essentially no more. We can eulogize them as the run they're on. And this is the thing that I talked about with our friend Juju Talk Sports on our YouTube channel, uh, which is the Angels' rebuild that is inevitably going to start because they don't get Shohei Otani. That rebuild is not going to be made or broken by the fact that they gave up Kai Bauman or Kai Bush, and they gave up a handful of other players in exchange for CJ Cron, Randall Grickuk, and Lucas Giolito. The rebuild is not going to be make or break because they gave up their number seven and number 15 prospects in an already crappy farm system. Like Kai Bush or Kai Bauman, I can't remember what his name is, that Kai Bush might end up being a starter for the Chicago White Sox down the road. Maybe he would have been a starter with the Angels one day. It's not going to be a make-or-break situation, even if Kai Bush or Kai Bauman turns into a star pitcher as a number one or number two for the White Sox for five seasons. That wasn't going to be the make-or-break on the Angels' rebuild. Trading for Lucas Giolito was not going to make or break the Angels' rebuild. Additionally, trading away Shohei Otani, which was potentially going to command one of the largest trade packages in the history of baseball, despite the fact Otani only had two months left on his contract. Trading away Otani for two top 100 prospects and a gluttony of other players wasn't going to make or break 
the Angels rebuild. And so if they looked in the mirror and said, for one time, we should put ourselves in a position to try and get Shohei Otani to the playoffs. For one time, we should be in a position to try and get Mike Trout to the playoffs. And they decided to make a trade for a number two starter, make a trade for a backup outfield depth, make a trade for CJ Cron, who was an all-star a couple years ago and is now a middle-of-the-order middle bat. That's not going to make or break the Angels' rebuild in any kind of significant way. And not trading away Otani was not going to be the make or break on that deal. What was going to make or break the Angels' rebuild was years of losing that would have led to draft picks that would have built up depth in the farm system and acquired top-end talent because they would have finally had a top-five pick instead of being in this gluttonous middle-of-the-pack with 13 or 14th pick in the draft and selecting all pitchers that will take years to develop. If the Angels had invested more into the farm system, that would be the thing that make or makes or breaks a rebuild for them. Look back at the Baltimore Orioles as an example. The Orioles hired a, someone who used to work in the Astros organization, and they did an Astros light teardown. For three years, the Orioles were awful, just the worst team in baseball. And the results they got at the end of it were a depth in the farm system that they didn't have before and the top-end talent of top draft picks that made it to the majors. Obviously, Adley Rutschman is the name that everyone knows because he's the former number one pick. Gunnar Henderson is another one of those people who is a former draft pick that turned into a productive player right away for Baltimore. Baltimore it has the deepest farm system in baseball. Baltimore has some of the best top-end talent in baseball, and that's the reason why they are able to surpass Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and even the New York Yankees. More on the Yankees coming up in a little bit. Now, the question becomes, do you trust the Angels organization, who has struggled to develop any kind of meaningful prospect in the last 10 years, to be able to put out a farm system that replicates what Baltimore has done from top to bottom to completely turn over their farm system. That's the key to the rebuild more than any singular trade. Because if you may remember, the Baltimore Orioles were, were the angels before the angels. Five years ago in 2018, the Baltimore Orioles had a future Hall of Famer in Manny Machado. He had two months left on his contract. The Orioles weren't going to make the playoffs. They made the call to trade Manny Machado before the deadline. They got back five prospects in the trade, two of which were in the top 10 of the Dodgers farm system, one of which was a top 30 MLB prospect. None of the players in the Manny Machado trade currently play for the Baltimore Orioles. Not a single player from that trade still plays for the Orioles. Many of them never made the majors. The ones that did were not worth keeping on the Orioles roster as the Orioles acquired depth in the farm system, as the Angels acquire as the Orioles acquired top end prospects. Even the prospects they acquired in the Manny Machado trade got filtered out of the system. Baltimore got nothing of value in the Manny Machado trade. And they still ended up being the best model of a rebuild any organization has gone through for, for the last five seasons. The thing that makes or breaks the rebuild is not a singular trade. Singular trades can make an impact on the outcome 
For example, the Miami Marlins tore shit to the ground six years ago. They traded Christian Yelich to the Milwaukee Brewers before Yelich turned into an MVP. They got minimal in return. The two key pieces they got back in the trade were Lewis Brinson and Jordan Yamamoto. And Lewis Brinson played five seasons with the Marlins, was a platoon player in the outfield, ended up being waived by the Marlins at the end of his contract. Jordan Yamamoto got to the majors, had a good two months, went back down to the minors after struggling with his ERA, never made it back to the Marlins major league organization. I think he played for the Yankees for a minute, but the point being the two key pieces they got in the Christian Yelich trade, no value for the Marlins, regarded as one of the worst trades in major league baseball over the last 17 years, which goes back to when the Marlins traded Miguel Cabrera to the Tigers. Another trade where they got Cameron Mabin, Andrew Miller, two top 10 prospects in all of baseball at the time, never turned into anything while they played for the Marlins. You could say the Marlins didn't turn out great as a result of it, but that was because they didn't really develop in the farm system, and the Marlins also were like having a fight for a stadium deal and all sorts of stuff. On the flip side, the Marlins that same offseason also traded Marcelo Zuna to the St. Louis Cardinals, and in that deal, they got Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen. Sandy Alcantara won Cy Young in 2022, Zach Gallen is going to finish top three in the Cy Young this season for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The, the Marlins traded Gallen to the Diamondbacks in exchange for Jazz Chisholm, who has made an all-star team with the Marlins, and if not for health permit, and was on the cover of MLB The Show. May, started in the all-star game at second base, and then was on the cover of MLB The Show. So the Marlins, in exchange for Marcelo Zuna, got a Cy Young Award pitcher and a guy who's on the cover of MLB The Show. And again, it did not make or break the Marlins' rebuild. Only when the Marlins used their wealth of pitching prospects to acquire Luis Arise. Only when they went out and traded for Jake Berger from the, from the Chicago White Sox. When they signed, well, they tried to sign Avisal Garcia, and that contract hasn't worked out. But when they signed Jorge Soler to a free agent contract... When they traded J.J. Bladé for A.J. Puck and then traded for Daniel Robertson out of the bullpen. Only when they used their gluttony of major league talent to make subsequent moves did it piece together into something actually valuable for the Marlins. And yes, the Marlins won a playoff series back in the pandemic year. I understand that as well. But like they were terrible for three years. Won a playoff series in 2020. Terrible in 2021, terrible in 2022. For five years, the Miami Marlins couldn't put it together, despite the fact that they had one of the worst trades in MLB history and one of the greatest trades in MLB history at the exact same rebuild. And it didn't matter until they put the pieces together with Jorge Soler and Luisa Rise and Jake Berger and actually putting together the roster with their gluttony of farm system depth. It was not a singular move that makes an impact. And so for the Angels, it makes all the sense in the world that they wanted to give Shohei Otani one more run and that they were willing to let Otani walk for nothing and be okay with the fact that they let Otani walk for nothing and didn't get the two top 100 prospects. Because in baseball, no singular trade is going to make or break any team's rebuild. 
if the Angels want to do an actual rebuild after Shohei Otani leaves in free agency, if they want to tear it down, if they want to trade the major league talent, if they want to prioritize their young players, prioritize people they'll acquire in trades, if they want to do the sell thing after Otani leaves, the Angels will not be made or broken by one single trade. It will be years of losing to develop a gluttony of tap prospects, and that will be how the rebuild will be determined as a success or a failure. And some organizations like the Baltimore Orioles have done it better than others, like the Miami Marlins. Some organizations have done it better, like the Cleveland Guardians, than other organizations like, for example, the Oakland A's, or the, even the Seattle Mariners, who spent years losing, got Julio Rodriguez as the top-end star, and haven't done a whole lot else in terms of developing prospects. I mean, Jared Kalenic is pretty good, but they don't have that gluttony of young players the way that Baltimore does. And they all didn't reach the majors at the same time like Baltimore to the point where the Orioles have two all-star relievers, two all-stars in their batting lineup who are either rookies or in their second seasons. All of them hitting the majors at the same time was the gluttony of talent that has led to Baltimore becoming the team that they are now, but not every team has done it as well as Baltimore has. Not every team endured years of losing to acquire the top-end talent that Baltimore has. And so what you have as a result is most teams are not smarter than the uh, than the opponents that they are going up against in their ability to develop and find competitive advantages. And in baseball, no singular trade is going to turn around the tides of a franchise. And so, in the case of the Anaheim Angels, the thing that will be their rebuild after Shohei Otani is gone is the draft picks that they will get at the top as a result of losing for many, many years. It will not be the I mean, they will develop a gluttony of prospects, but in baseball, every team gets the exact same number of draft picks. There's no ability to trade draft picks. Other than compensatory picks, there is no glut, there is no like draft pick system that will correlate to developing more prospects or getting more prospects in the door. It is an advantage within the margins of baseball, and the the higher draft pick you have, the better chance you have of falling ass backwards into a generational star. And the Angels, who are falling ass backwards into a couple generational stars, are finding themselves in a position where if they're going to do the rebuild thing, they're going to have to be really bad for a whole bunch of years in order to get to the top of the draft. And that will be an organizational shift after Otani is gone, if they so choose to go down that route. And if they don't, they will continue to wander in the desert as they have been for close to a decade now. And they did not put the pieces together in order to build a team capable of winning at the highest levels of baseball at this point. The last thing I wanted to talk about is the New York Yankees because uh, last offseason we talked about the Yankees when they were in the league championship series and got swept out by the Houston Astros. They could have, should have, would have lost to Cleveland in the round before. They went to an elimination game five. Garrett Cole pitched well. They advanced. And then they ended up getting swept by Houston in a way that signified that they are not on the level of what Houston has built, which is, in this weird Star Wars universe, essentially a baseball machine. 
Like, they are the clone army from Star Wars, essentially. They are a baseball machine that just just puts out star players, replaces them, and keeps the machine rolling. And they have had more success than any other team and more controversy than any other team and treat their employees like shit. And it's a classic case of at what cost does it take for the Astros? We've done dozens of podcasts on the Astros over the years. I'm super fascinated by them, all that stuff. The Yankees find themselves in a position in which they are not sure where to go next. Because in 2019, the Yankees, when we first started doing this podcast, the Yankees had one of the best lineups I've ever seen. They had nine All-Stars, top to bottom. Some were former All-Stars like Edwin Encarnacion, but All-Stars, top to bottom of their lineup. That team was amazing. And they lost to what I still say to this day is the greatest baseball team I've ever seen assembled, which is the 2019 Houston Astros, the greatest collection of talent I've ever seen on a baseball field. And the Yankees took them to six games. And in that six game series, the Yankees almost took out the Houston Astros. Like they were tied in the ninth inning before Altuve hit a homer. And if they had won that, there would have been a game seven in Houston Winner goes to the World Series and would have played the Nationals. And Altuve hit the walk-off homer and the Yankees lose in six games. But they were like adversarial to an incredible Houston team. And the little brother Yankees, who we've joked about for years, they, they saw in the span of 12 years, the Houston Astros, who weren't even in the American League until 2012, switch leagues and steal their birthright to championships. The little brother Yankees, who have now lost in eight playoffs over the last 10 years, four times to the Astros, once to Tampa Bay, twice to the Boston Red Sox, once super embarrassingly to the Boston Red Sox with a 17-1 loss in 2018, but... The Yankees are now in a super interesting position where they don't really have a direction. And what we talked about last offseason was I could defend keeping Brian Cashman and I could defend walking away from Brian Cashman. And Yankees fans are not happy with Brian Cashman right now. So, yeah, there's going to be calls for his job. Yeah, there's going to be people who think that they should go into the there's people who think that they should be going into the job and can do a better job, but the reason I would keep the reason I defend keeping Brian Cashman is that's one of the greatest executives in the history of baseball. Once he's out the door, it's the Bill Belichick thing. Once he's out the door, it's going to be something that once he's out the door, you're going to have a hard time finding more people who can you're going to have trouble finding someone as skilled as that person. It's the Bill Belichick thing. It's like, you can fire Bill Belichick if you want. The next guy's probably not going to be as good as Bill Belichick because there are very few people who have ever been as good as Brian Cashman. And you trust sometimes that their ability will ultimately win the day. But the Yankees have been in a, a precarious position where three players make up a whole bunch of their payroll. It's Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, and Giancarlo Stanton. The peripheral pieces that they've signed in recent years have struck out a whole lot, and pun intended there. I mean, Anthony Rizzo struck out a whole lot, but also Anthony Rizzo got a concussion that kind of went undiagnosed for a whole bunch of weeks. It's kind of a wild story to know how that ended up happening. So you have Anthony Rizzo, 
You have DJ LeMayhew. That one struck out for them. He's essentially the bottom of the barrel player. Josh Donaldson has been awful for the Yankees recently. Uh, Aaron Hicks was so bad that they ended up having to waive him, and he's no longer with the team. So it's just been a whole bunch of misses by the Yankees. Um, everything that's happened with Domingo Herman, which goes from him being suspended for foreign substances and then him pitching a perfect game, despite the fact that he had been suspended 81 games previously for domestic abuse and then ended up having to go into alcohol rehabilitation treatment just a few months, uh, just a month or so after throwing a perfect game and him they ain't them coming out and saying he won't be back the rest of the season. Nestor Cortez, who's kind of filled the role of a CC Sabathia, where he's like your number two starter who will eat up innings and can potentially give you a seven inning shutout. Nestor Cortez is out for the season. Luis Severino, who is their number three starter, has essentially lost his ability to pitch recently. So like seven big players that were part of the team have all swung and missed. And they've been able to like tread water and stay about 500 for most of it. But like when you have, there's only having money in baseball means you can make more mistakes and live with those mistakes. Because I'll never forget the Boston Red Sox just cutting Hanley Ramirez in order to to make room for the World Series team of I want to say 2018. They just straight up cut Hanley Ramirez and took the 27 million dollar loss. Meanwhile, like some teams in baseball don't even have $27 million contracts. So like having a lot of money means you can make more mistakes and you have more room for error in baseball. And the Yankees are right at that tipping point on about seven mistakes is the threshold where there start to be real world consequences. And those real world consequences are last place in the best division in baseball treading water around 500 and not really having a sense of direction of how to climb yourself out of that hole because they're not going to trade Garrett Cole they're not going to trade Aaron Judge they're not going to trade they're not going to trade Luis Severino they're not going to be able to trade Domingo Herman they're not going to be able to trade Giancarlo Stanton and so the Yankees are kind of in this position where we don't really know what to do and the answer for them is not going to be what the Boston Red Sox did, which was just give away Mookie Betts for free as a salary relief and then lose Xander Bogarts to free agency despite the fact he was one of the most popular players on the team. The model is not that for the Yankees. It's not the Boston Red Sox blow it up, suck for a couple years, and then spend a bunch of money to get back to the ALCS. It's not going to be that model for the Yankees, but I don't know the direction that they're going, and I don't know if they're going to let... Brian Cashman be the person in charge of that decision making. It's going to be really interesting to watch over the next two to three months is where's the pivot for the Yankees. After you've made seven mistakes in a row on Domingo Herman and Luis Severino and Nestor Cortez being out for the season and DJ LeMahieu and Aaron Hicks and Anthony Rizzo and Josh Donaldson all turning into not just like bad stuff, but like catastrophically bad moves. It's like, what's the direction next for them? And I'm not exactly sure what that's going to be. I'm curious to watch out for it the same way. I'm curious to see how the angels pivot after losing Shohei Otani. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast, and thank you for journeying to our wonderful, wacky Star Wars universe with me here today. Episodes come out three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday on the show. Occasionally, we'll have Wired Ups on Sundays. We've actually had Wired Up each of the last 
or two of the last three weeks we've had a wired up. We might put together a wired up for Sunday this week as well. As I said yesterday, thank you for continuing to support the show. Uh, For the first time since we moved to the three-day-a-week model, we've seen download numbers that mirror our totals from from the past five to six months. You guys have really come out in droves and supported the podcast. So thank you guys for supporting and listening here in August. Uh, we know this can be sometimes the slow period in sports, but we appreciate you coming out and continuing to support. Uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday. Monday will be our next live show here. You can always go back and listen to our archives. Just scroll through, find an episode you like. There's definitely bound to be something you like in there. Just grab a listen, enjoy. But if not, until next time, take it easy. Episode 5, The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles... A perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose. Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the Eastern Seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.